1: All of us in the tennis world getting so excited for the start of the three-week bubble in New York, the Western and Southern Open, followed by the U.S. Open, the return of so many of our favorite pro tennis players back to tour action. And, you know, all of us are wondering, what is the play we're going to see going to look like? Will players be playing their best tennis, or will there be some rust after a -a five-and-a-half-month layoff? Will, you know, little injuries, ab strains, blisters, all of these different factors, how will they play into what we see? of course given the safety and health guidelines put in place the fact that it's going to be condensed teams right there aren't going to be fans in this stadium it's certainly going to be a tennis event unlike anything we've seen before but more than anything else of course all of us just hoping for the safety and health of everyone participating in the event we're just so excited to see pro tennis's return and of course if you want to hear more about those storylines you want to hear what's going on throughout the tennis world we've had three wta events over the These past two weeks, if you want to hear what happened at those events, you want to hear again about some of the regulations put in place, I highly recommend you go listen to some of the mini break podcasts and great shot podcasts we have done over these past couple of weeks. Guests like Dave Cass and, you know, so many more have joined the show to talk about all of these different things. So be sure to go listen to those. Uh, But of course we here at Crack Rackets know, tennis is a multifaceted sport, right? It's not just the professional level. It's the junior level. It's, you know, the local level. And of course for us here at Crack Rackets we always are thinking about the college tennis game. And, you know, right now is a very, very interesting time for college tennis, certainly with so many athletic departments across the country facing so many tough decisions in the aftermath of COVID-19 or really in the midst of it, I suppose. Uh, College tennis is in a very precarious place. And so it is always fascinating to get to chat with people who are currently within the game. And even better when you get to talk to a player who put up, you know, in the first two months of 2020, certainly was part of arguably the best team in men's college tennis now USC certainly won the national indoors and they deserve that national title as you know if they want to call themselves the 2020 national champs you can't really dispute that but the team they beat in the national indoor final the team that was steamrolling their way through the 2020 season was the UNC uh, Tar Heels and of course you know as great as their women's tennis team was I should say as great as their men's team was their women's team arguably one of if not the greatest women's College tennis team in history, but their men's team exceptional as well. Guys like Will Blumberg, you know Ben Seguin and uh, Rinky Hijikata, of course, at the top of their lineup. But you know uh, the thing that made UNC so outstanding was their depth. Guys like Simon Simon Joshua Peck, Matt Kiger, and then of course half of their one doubles duo, their number four singles player, uh, I believe number five. Excuse me, uh, Brian Sernock, who joins the show today to talk a little bit about his college tennis career, and more. Of course, for Brian, he and Will Blumberg named All-Americans this season, so we get to ask what that accomplishment means to him. Of course, we also got to hear how he found out that his season was canceled and, you know, his thoughts on the NCAA saying, hey, we want to bring back all of these seniors and just, you know, what it's like to be a college athlete right now. And then, of course, you know, what college tennis has done for him, the level of play when you're on a team like UNC, how he was feeling about their prospects, how they Bounce back after having this season ripped away from them. The differences between Coach Paul and Coach Phillips, all of that and more. It's a really great interview, and you know it actually happened a couple of months ago. I've mentioned this before. We get the opportunity to speak to so many great people here at Cracked Rackets, uh, but we really wanted you guys to hear this interview with Brian because it, it's you know it was a really fun conversation. It still holds up now, and I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy it. Of course, before we get to that conversation, the reason we are able to have so many great conversations here at Crack Track it's just because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar and I say it all the time so I'll keep things brief any equipment need you have from a tennis perspective. Shirt, shoes, socks, shorts, you know, strings, rackets, grips, you name it. Midwest Sports has got it. Babylon Dunlop, Head, Wilson, Nike, Adidas. They've got every brand you're looking for. And best of all, maybe you don't know exactly what you need. Well, rest assured, their experts are intimately familiar with all of their products and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, perfect piece of clothing that is sure to put your game ahead of the competition. Just Go to their website, MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, you'll get 15% off, free two-day shipping on all orders over $75, and a free can of Wilson extra-duty tennis balls. You'll also let them know that we sent you there, which we would greatly appreciate. Be sure to go check out our friends, MidwestSports.com, that promo code is CR15. Of course, look good, feel good, play good, that's what we talk about here at Cracked Rackets all the time. Midwest Sports, you're looking good, with our friends at Aerobar, you'll feel good, and then you going to play good because with AeroBarts, the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, good enough for pros like James Blake, Andy Roddick, Marty Fish, Steve Johnson, they all endorse it. And there's a reason. It's because it's delicious. The ingredients are pure cinnamon honey oat chocolate chip. Again, more potassium than banana. The only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, go to aerobar.com, order yourself up a case, use our promo code CRACKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Also, be sure to go check out our Getting to the Point podcast where we focus on the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern game. You know, guests like Mal Washington, Jay Berger, Michael Russell, Bjorn Fritangelo, Lauren Embry, and more. It's been so fun getting to do those episodes. The way you can support them is by going to aerobar.com, ordering up a case of error bars and using our promo code cracked 15 along the way as well all right with those two things in mind i really did enjoy this conversation so i cannot wait for you to hear it so without further ado here was my conversation with unc all-american brian cernock Joining us on the podcast today, he is a former blue chip recruit on TennisRecruiting.net as well as an All-American past season for his University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Brian Cernok, welcome to the
2: show. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Uh, Thank Uh, you for having me today.
1: Oh, of course. It's a pleasure. No, I'm doing well. Again, to get to do these, to not have to talk to my roommates for like a 30, 40 minute period, it's a win at this point. So I appreciate (laughs) you taking the time.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: Um, so let's start with that uh, announcement. All-American season, your sophomore year. Uh, now, obviously, I'm sure this season did not end the way you could have possibly imagined, but to receive that sort of honor, what does that mean to you?
2: Uh, yeah, I know. I was super excited uh, when I got the news. I was actually uh, on court practicing, and uh, after I was done practicing, I got like a bunch of texts from teammates and coaches that I saw that uh, Will and I got the uh, All-American status and uh, I was super excited I actually like yelled like yes (laughs) come on or something uh, on the court. Uh, I I was really uh, like nervous or like waiting for the day that it was going to come out because I knew that it would have been really close you know with the, the rankings and stuff so I was really excited. And to know that you
1: got to be a part of Will being named an eight-time All-American, third guy to do that in NCAA history. I mean, obviously you're excited for yourself, but to be you know share that part of history, that's got to be pretty cool as well, right?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I was honestly like the most nervous, like for Will just getting that (laughs) eight-time All-American because I knew he uh, had the singles secured, uh, and uh, it was he was basically just waiting on the doubles rankings to come out. So I was even more excited for him than for myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And for you guys,
1: again, even though the season was, uh, you know, ended prematurely, uh, when you l- will look back on this year to know that you were an All-American, is that something that will stick with you forever?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, regardless of the season season being cut short, I mean, I guess nobody can take that away from me and from Will and from uh, Simon and Mac and everyone else who – uh, got that nomination. So, uh, obviously it's really unfortunate that the season got cut short, but I'm really excited and happy that the ITA decided to release those, uh, nominations.
1: You mentioned Simon and Mac. Let's go there next to get to compete with a fellow All-American squad day in, day out in practice. And then by the way, to have Rinky and Ben at three doubles, that's not too bad either. How high was the level of competition? How helpful was that to you and Will, who, you know, started out together in January and immediately had that sort of success?
2: Oh yeah, I think it played a huge role. I mean, obviously having several great doubles teams, uh, uh, throughout our lineup really helps especially in practice you know we get to play uh, practice sets all the time and they get pretty heated honestly sometimes which is <laughs> which makes it even more fun and uh yeah, I, yeah go ahead
1: no i was gonna say if trip phillips your assistant coach were to be allowed to play in the lineup would he crack the doubles lineup right now for
2: sure <laughs> oh, i mean uh he hasn't been exactly super healthy lately with his knee but uh, in the past, when he was able to play with us, like he always gives us his best, and a, it's a pretty tough challenge.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, former U.S. Open semifinalist, right? He's the real yeah. deal. Um, but yeah, to talk about that level of competition, uh, does it get heated? Because you seem like a mild mannered guy on court, but I feel like in practice, just given how good everyone is, I feel like there's a fair share of pegs, and it does get pretty animated.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, normally, I'm pretty chill on the court, but never want to lose to your teammates so especially (laughs) in practice so yeah it gets fun
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious, just getting to play with Will for a year and not to make this the Will show because you're the story today. But, you know, for a guy who is obviously one of, if not the best player in college tennis, and it just seemed, you know, at the national indoor, and well, I want to talk about that match on its own, but, you know, through those first three rounds, you and him were just steamrolling everyone. And you had so much success all season long. What was clicking for you guys to allow you to have that sort of success?
2: Yeah, I mean. I think if the season weren't to be cut short, we would obviously be progressing even more with uh, like, our comfort level, uh, playing together uh, at times, even in practice, and sometimes in matches at the beginning of the season. You could tell that we were a little iffy sometimes with our communication and stuff, so that definitely got better as the season went on, and we were just like rolling uh, indoors and uh, yeah. kind of found that groove.
1: No, without question. That match against Ohio State in particular stands out to me. You guys were just so good in that one. And you're right. It did seem – it was funny because you were having all of this success, but, you know, ultimately it did still feel like you were still learning the ins and outs of each other's games. How difficult is that to, you know, switch partners from season to season? Is it pretty easy to pick up a rhythm pretty quickly, or is it a challenge?
2: Uh, I mean, I guess it depends. Uh, I think Will and I, we are definitely – It definitely took us some matches to get used to playing with each other we didn't have tons of time to practice obviously since will took the fall off so we weren't even able to practice together in the fall that much and uh you know once once things got rolling in january we're doing doubles drills and double sets uh almost uh, routinely almost every day so i think that helped us a lot
1: Mm -hmm. And would you say it's, it's fair to say that, you know, a doubles partner, it's like any relationship. There's touching, you got to know the ins and outs of one another, get intimate with each other. It is like any relationship, right? It does take time to build.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, spending time with each other and kind of watching film and doing all that stuff really, uh, can go a long way in being a successful doubles team. Mm
1: -hmm. Who's a more enjoyable partner, Will or McKenna?
2: (laughs) Tough question. I mean I haven't really <laughs> haven't really played much doubles with McKenna, obviously, but I'm sure both would be fun.
1: Yeah, no, that's a fun one for you. Well, you know, to talk about the season you guys were having, uh, because obviously you had had so much success, particularly early on. I don't think you dropped a point all the way through that South Carolina match to start the national indoors. You were 12 and one. And let's start with the less fun side of this question. You know, where were you when you found out the season was going to be canceled? And what was your, you know, immediate reaction? What were those next two or three days like for you?
2: Yeah, so it was pretty weird because we uh, we had spring break that week, and uh, we were actually in Florida since we had uh, Miami and FSU coming up that weekend. And we were training in Delray, getting ready for Miami. And that Thursday, that everything got canceled, we were actually on court at Miami, you know, practicing, getting ready to play the next day. And I guess like on one of the water breaks like some somebody checked their phone and we kind of just saw the SEC canceled And like as soon as we saw that we were like, yeah, we're in trouble and (laughs) shortly enough like ACC canceled and basically every other conference canceled as well. So we were pretty disappointed and uh, it was pretty funny because I don't know I guess we didn't really have that much of an incentive to practice so practice kind of got like a little lazy, I would say, and Coach Paul was just sitting there laughing. He's like, man, this is the weirdest thing ever. Like, I I can't even say anything right now. It doesn't even matter. Like, we're not playing tomorrow, it doesn't matter. So, that was interesting. Yeah, do you start
1: playing right-handed at that point?
2: Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, just have fun with
1: it. And, yeah. you know, how stressful was it for you to, you know, get back home and figure out what you were going to be doing with your training and, you know, while also trying to stay in contact with your teammates and, you know, try and keep some sort of communication open with everyone?
2: Yeah, so when we heard the news, we obviously had to resort to a different different plan of uh, getting back to Chapel Hill. So we ended up taking like a big charter bus back which took us like over about 12 or 13 hours to get back to Chapel Hill. And then I think slowly some people like just started packing their things up and heading home or heading to different places. Uh, A few of the guys actually stayed here just because like uh, Ben and Josh, since they're from Canada, they didn't want to go back for uh, quarantine and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just some perspective for you. So I graduated college in 2017. And, you know, obviously safety health comes first. You can understand why all of these closings, these cancellations of the seasons, they become secondary concerns in the midst of what everyone is going through. But, you know, and, you know, nothing really matters after you say the word but, but, you know, for you just how much does it suck? To lose, you know, not just your sophomore season, but to lose a year of college, to have to be forced to go home, you know, what is that like to go through personally?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was very difficult. Obviously, like I love being in Chapel Hill, you know, I love being with my teammates, my friends, my roommates and all that, and obviously the coaches. So that's pretty difficult, you know, not being able to be with them every day and kind of go on that same routine and that journey that... We typically go on throughout the year, so that was a uh, pretty devastating.
1: Mm-hmm. And for you guys, you know, from a tennis perspective, to be twelve and one and have the sort of start to the year you had, um, you know, how did you know what What were your thoughts about the season as it you know got canceled? How were you feeling about your team?
2: Yeah, I mean, we were all devastated. Some of us were even crying after we like, heard the news that our season was canceled. So that was like a rough time, but. I think we had a lot of momentum going forward throughout the season. Uh, obviously, we had that loss to Southern Cal, and I think that was uh, good motivation and maybe like even a wake-up call for us that we aren't obviously unbeatable and like we do have a great team, but there's still a lot more that we can do. And I think we were all excited for that challenge for the rest of the season.
1: Mm-hmm. Your first seven wins and nine out of your first 10 came, you know, 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, whatever it may be, you know, heading into that final with uh, USC, was there a sense of invincibility? Because I mean, when you're racking up scores like that, it, you know, it's inevitable to feel that way, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think there was a sense of uh, sense of that, but I think we definitely had a lot of confidence going in and we felt that we could get the job done and i think that maybe steamrolling like that throughout uh the beginning of the year maybe hurt us in a way we didn't have necessarily like a super tough challenge or uh, we never lost a doubles point up until that point so we kind of didn't have our like uh, uh we, we always had our foot on the gas and we didn't uh have any anything to to catch up to so that was a uh, a little difficult throughout the match.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I do. that's going to be where you're going to swear at me, as I was saying before, because I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to ask a question you don't like about that match. But, you know, for you guys heading into the season, because you only lost Bo, and you bring back everyone else, and then, you know, you see in January, Rinkies winning matches at the Australian Open, and you bring him in, you know, how high a level of play was the competition in practice? Was there, because you guys were NCAA semifinalists last year, obviously a really successful season in your first year, but was there there a different feeling around this year's team
2: yeah i mean obviously it was tough losing losing bo because he was just like the heart of the program you know came in every day uh worked his tail off you know and everybody loved him but getting somebody like rinky uh is even like it's great because he comes in works his tail off has great energy uh and just the competitiveness like coming from him and Everybody on the team just makes it so great and so fun to practice with those guys.
1: Mm -hmm. And, I mean, yeah, the results showed on the court. I can only imagine how, you know, the level of play that it reflected from practice. But, you know, going into that USC match, uh, for you guys in particular, uh, you know, in that doubles point, and I happened to be on the play-by-play call for that match, and it was a pleasure to watch, but, you know, you and Will get up to a 5-4 lead in the breaker. You know, what happened in that moment and, well, I guess even heading before we get into that moment, to play USC again after the dramatic round of 16 match that you had clinched against them in the NCAs the year before, you know, even beyond it just being a championship match, was there any added thrill given that it was a rematch of USC?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they were definitely coming for us, uh, obviously, since we beat them on their uh, home courts last year in the, the NCAA tournament. Uh, So I knew – or all of us knew that they were coming for us and they were going to show extra energy. And uh, regarding that breaker, man, uh, that's a tough one. I think (laughs) Will and I, we just maybe played like a little too tentative and we didn't really – like maybe we should have like – I should have poached on that return that Riley uh, hit so well and maybe like try to play more aggressive or something maybe – Yeah, I mean, we should have just played more aggressive, I guess. That's a tough one to to answer. (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: that's fair. But, I mean, it sounds like you can remember the points pretty vividly.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember. I think we were up 5-3 as well in the breaker, and uh, Daniel hit that overhead that I kind of, like, jumped way too early on thinking that it was coming in big, and I, like, (laughs) didn't even have enough strength until I get it over the net because I, like, mistimed it completely. And then I think from then on, like we got like, I I guess nervous and like tight maybe. And that's why we played so tentative and they they really went for it. And I guess that's, that's why I came out on top in that double set. Mm-hmm.
1: But as you sort of mentioned that loss and, you know, for you in singles, I remember watching that match and, you know, you went down a quick first set, but then you had a bunch of chances in that second set to bring it back. There were a bunch of deuce points played consecutively throughout that match. Uh, did that loss, you know, I, of course, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to finish the season, but do you think that loss getting to play in that sort of moment and fall, uh, you know, coming up short that helped your team, you know, recenter, refocus and start building the the future
2: for sure i mean since that day obviously we were devastated you know not many words were said you know like the next couple days we were still like processing everything and pretty disappointed with our performance But i think as soon as we got back to chapel hill and started training you know that was exactly what we were looking forward to maybe playing them uh at some point during the tournament again or you know, like meeting them in the finals or what, which uh, obviously we would hope to to be in that position, but we were definitely uh, thinking about that match when we were training. Mm-hmm.
1: And how does the pressure of that match compare to, say, you know, or, you know, what you take from an experience like that versus, say, when you played them in the round of 16 and you end up clinching, you know, 3-6-7-6-7-6. Six, seven, six, seven, six. How do those two experiences differ?
2: Uh, for me, personally... I mean, just like the feeling that you get even walking through the building, you know that you're playing in a championship match. You know, like you see that as soon as you walk into the building there, you saw, I saw the trophy, I saw what was at stake. And, you know, that kind of like it builds everything up for you. So I guess that that might have been the difference. Cause and uh, at Southern Cal, like to me, at least I just took it as another match that, that we need to get done. And here, like, this was just like the last match of this tournament. You know, we were in the finals. This was the last one. And uh, in Southern Cal last year, that definitely wasn't the case. We didn't think of it as this is the last match of the tournament. Like, we knew that we were going to be going forward after this. At least that's what we put into our minds. So I guess that was a, a little different feeling.
1: Mm-hmm. no absolutely i am curious though for you in that round of 16 match three six seven six seven six now you know whenever you're playing someone like riley smith six foot seven six foot eight whatever he is he's bombing big serves you're probably going to play some tie break sets but what was that experience like for you especially as a freshman you know it's the first year of a new format you're on the road for the round of 16 match to clinch that match send your team to the quarterfinals you know what does that do for your confidence
2: yeah uh it was pretty amazing. I mean, I was down a set, and I think Riley was serving 6-5, 40-30, and I saved a couple match points in that game, and then I got super fired up. Uh, we had a bunch of alumni and UNC supporters at that match, which I've never seen before uh, on a away match, and that was pretty awesome. So hearing the crowd not only cheer for Southern Cal, but for UNC like really got me going. So that was amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm curious, how did that crowd compare to the crowd at the neutral site for the quarterfinals? Did you enjoy, you know, even though it was a road match, playing at a home facility for the round of 16?
2: I think the crowd might have been better at, at, uh, at Southern Cal. You know, I mean, we had tons of people there, like maybe 50 people or so there uh, cheering for UNC And uh, I think the environment was just way better at Southern Cal, personally. Just hearing all the noise and excitement is is, uh, definitely fun, especially when you're on court playing and you hear that. It's definitely Mm -hmm. motivating.
1: Mm -hmm. No, And I imagine one of the goals this year was to host that that round of 16 match.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we got a, I wouldn't say unlucky. I mean, we had a little slip up in the season. And uh, obviously that hurt our chances to be hosting, but definitely was the goal to be hosting this year. So... Hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: No, and I mean you guys were definitely well on your way And hopefully, you know, all of Will, Ben, Rinky, the whole crew Will come back, Josh and Mac And we'll get everyone back next year And you guys can run that back And I I won't ask you to speak for them But, you know, if you want to share any insight of what you've heard Please feel free to Um, But, but, you know, uh, for you personally You know, I want to go back a little bit for listeners Who don't know about you You know, how did you start playing the game of tennis? How did you get involved with it?
2: Yeah, so I actually used to play uh, soccer and I used to swim and play tennis, obviously, when I was little. And then I slowly kind of grew out of soccer and I was still like a very competitive swimmer. You know, I was probably better at swimming than tennis uh, around still at the around uh, age of 11 or 12. And then my parents kind of told me like, this is like a good time to maybe decide what you want to do. And I ultimately decided to play tennis. Uh, I just found more joy playing uh, and like competing on the tennis court outside and being in the pool. So that's kind of how I started. And then I ended up training at uh, College Park up in Maryland. And they kind of helped me develop my game uh, to get into such a prestigious school like UNC.
1: Well, again, the media department has trained you well. Um, I feel like that choice between swimming and tennis, that's a no-brainer because, you know, sorry for swearing, but swimming sucks.
2: Like it's just brutal. (laughs) It's tough. It is very tough. Yeah. I remember when I was like eight years old, we were playing, or sorry, swimming on Saturday morning at like 6 a.m. And then I knew my, my sister swam as well. And while she was in high school, she had practices before school so that was like five forty, 540, five forty-five in the morning and then she had swim practice after school as well so i can't even imagine doing yeah, that
1: that's, that's horrifying to have to jump in the pool that early just at this age sounds mortifying and i, I feel like yeah. you you i don't know you know again tell me if i'm wrong but you scream you know 50 freestyle i feel like that was your event
2: yeah that's me 50 freestyle that was all me <laughs> Uh, yeah. you're spot on <laughs> yeah,
1: i'm glad to hear it well you mentioned training at college park and there have been so many excellent players to filter through there you can go all the way back people like Trey huey mitchell frank luca correntelli francis Tiafo, obviously uh for you how did training at college park as you mentioned prepare you to go on to a place such as unc or have all the success you did while playing junior tennis
2: yeah, I mean, obviously, with all those names that you just listed, you could imagine how competitive the environment was there. And uh, when I was younger, I was actually, so in College Park, they have two, at the time, they had two groups, like a top and bottom group uh, based on your level. And at the time, I was, I think I was top five in the country in fourteens, and I was still in the bottom group at College Park. So you can imagine, like, how many good players were there. And uh, we used to play challenge matches every Friday to see if you can move up to the top group or if you would stay in the bottom group. So I think kind of those matches prepared me for college.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Does, Does that competitiveness, I mean, to say, you know, breeding jealousy might be too harsh, but you can imagine things get pretty heated. How does that help you develop as a competitor when you're playing, you know, the actual matches?
2: Oh, I think it's great because... Getting the, like so in College Park, we used to drill and train in the morning, and then play matches, games in the afternoon. And uh, sometimes we'd even play like a Fed Cup, a Davis Cup type games and stuff. And uh, we would put stuff on the line, like running and laps around the facility. And obviously, you didn't didn't want to be the one to come up on the short end and have to run, I don't know, five miles uh, after two hour practice. So, I think. Competing like that on the court, especially in like a team environment, sometimes is uh awesome. Especially if you're not really sure what that's about, like before coming into college, it definitely gives you a sense of what that is. So that's a that's a fun time for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. That five mile run that screams VESA. That's VESA's yeah. idea for oh, sure. Oh yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah. If <laughs> I told
1: you he spent all of quarantine just living in some random rainforest, would that surprise
2: you? <laughs> yeah. I mean. He's definitely, he's definitely running. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, the guy is a beast. One of my favorites yeah. uh, to talk to from throughout the tennis world. Well, you know, for you as someone who was a former blue chip recruit who had had success, played a couple of the junior slams, you know, how did you end up choosing to go to North Carolina? What was the recruiting process like for you?
2: Yeah, so I actually went up when I was younger to go watch the national indoors when they were hosted at UVA. It's just like a two-hour drive from, from where I live, so I would go up with my mom to go and, like, watch some of the teams and stuff. And I remember watching UNC play Cal in the first round. I think it was 2017, and I just really liked the way that, you know, all the uh, teammates were, like, handling themselves on the court on the sideline, the way Tripp and Coach Paul were handling themselves as coaches on the court and, you know, I then from then on, like i had already gotten a letter from trip and I just decided to call him, you know, a couple of days after the tournament. And that kind of got the ball ball rolling. And uh, we just I ended up going on a visit and that was to a Duke UNC basketball game, which was pretty sweet. And we got the win uh, rushed Franklin Franklin Street. You know, no better feeling than that. That was a pretty convincing (laughs) right from there and then obviously we just kept talking and kind of got a better feel for each other and after i was done at wimbledon i remember talking a trip outside uh one of the courts at wimbledon and i just i was like hey man like i'm coming and he's like what do you mean like you're committing like yeah i'm doing it i'm committing right (laughs) here he's like oh wow sweet like gotta call uh gotta call coach <laughs> so it, was, it was pretty uh pretty chill but like exciting time.
1: Yeah, no that that sounds like a win, and the contrast between Coach Phillips and Coach Paul because you know every you know, I've gotten the chance to talk about Tripp Trip is obviously a competitor, and that energy he wears it on his sleeve. You know, Coach Paul might be the most laid back man in America, at least by appearance. And I'm curious, you know, how did that contrast appeal to you? And you know, being comfortable with the coaches, how important was that to you in your decision making?
2: Yeah, uh, being comfortable with uh, both coaches, obviously played a big role for me you know I, uh, I definitely wanted to come to a place where the coaches are you know like very very relaxed but want to win and are like I don't know just super eager to, to be on the court with me and like the rest of the team and that's kind of what I saw in them and you know I'm really glad I made that decision because that's exactly what I wow or it stands true until this day I mean coach Paul would do anything to be on the court with us trip obviously always out there just grinding you know when he can he's hitting in with us and it's just awesome Mm -hmm.
1: and clearly they've had success uh with the men's program but with the women's program being as successful as they are as well what is that culture like right now in north carolina tennis
2: yeah i mean i don't i mean i can't i'm speaking for myself but i think it's probably the best in the country i mean how many other programs have you know a number 1 team and a number 2 team in the country so that's it's awesome obviously it's competitive between us cuz we want to be the better team and they've uh, they've gotten the better end so far but you know we're coming for them <laughs>
1: no yeah i mean it must be awesome to have that sort of success just everywhere you go yeah it's just competition more and more competition and i'm curious for you uh, even beyond the tennis being at north carolina you know how has that helped your development just in general and um you know did you ever have pro aspirations right out of high school or did you always think you were going to play college tennis
2: yeah i mean when i was little i obviously always wanted to be a pro and uh I mean, I still do, I just think that taking the time to go to college and obviously get an education and develop my game is something that I definitely needed and I think will play play a big role in my success uh, after college and I think that I made the right decision.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. Your team was exceptional. And, uh, you know, I'm curious for you right now as someone, and you've talked about hitting a little bit, but as someone who, you know, may have professional tennis aspirations or certainly wants to be ready to rock and roll come next year's college season. Uh, how have you adjusted to this quarantine? Have you been able to train at all? Have you been able to stay in contact with your coaches?
2: Yeah. So I've actually been pretty lucky. So up in Maryland, there's a There's been some courts that have been open, uh, some courts at the University of Maryland, and then there's some uh, public middle school courts right next to my house, where I actually went to middle school. They've got four courts, you know, they're decent, just some public courts, you know, like, can't expect too much, but uh, they're definitely, they're fine to practice on. And uh, McKenna's been up in Maryland with me uh, for several several weeks now. so we've been able to get out there and get some work done so super fortunate for that
1: yeah so you're feeling good about your game right now you're you've been able to get enough hitting in at least
2: yeah i mean i've definitely I, the weather has been pretty difficult at times you know there's been rain uh a ton uh, a bunch of wind so it makes it difficult to hit sometimes but for the most part we've been getting after it
1: yeah, no, that sounds like a win, certainly. And, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, this will be how we slowly transition to the rapid fire. But how weird was it to finish a semester at home after, you know, your first year and a half being on Chapel Hill?
2: Yeah, uh, honestly, I don't think it was that weird, I guess, for me and like maybe a bunch of other tennis players as well. Like m- most of us did online school throughout high school. So we kind of know like what that is doing school at home and doing it online. So it wasn't that big of a change for me as of like the school aspect since I've done that before. But definitely not being on campus and not traveling with the team, not being with all the friends and all that. That was definitely a big difference. But uh, the school aspect, uh, it wasn't too bad.
1: Yeah, no, you have a leg up on the competition there. You're experienced.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah,
1: no, that's definitely a win. Well, then, you know, there's one last thing I want to do, a rapid-fire series of questions with you, ask you about some of your teammates about what you've been doing in quarantine. That work?
2: All right, let's try it.
1: All right, let's do it. Uh, Westhoff, give me a rapid-fire sound effect, please. Uh, Let's stick with the quarantine theme since we're already there. Any new hobbies you've developed in quarantine?
2: Painting. Really? Yeah. I've been uh I've been painting like my house uh, like repainting it with my mom and uh McKenna's uh, helped as well so it's been fun. Mhm.
1: What are the color scheme? Is it a tar heel blue?
2: Uh uh we've done like a couple like small paintings with some tar heel blue but not 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 on the walls in the house. I got <laughs> like gray and like charcoal uh in my room so it's looking good.
1: Mm -hmm. no that i like that hobby that's a win uh for sure um what about how many trips are you making to the fridge on a daily basis
2: tough question maybe 10 maybe more
1: (laughs) i don't know it's brutal right it's just so appealing
2: it's so fun nothing better (laughs) to do than just stare stare at the fridge
1: (laughs) yeah and uh you guys have been keeping in contact with one another you said you and your teammates
2: yeah yeah we have like weekly zoom calls and stuff Uh,
1: Perfect transition to, uh, to the teammates then. Uh, on that weekly Zoom call, if you could mute one of your teammates, who would
2: you mute? Oh, man. Simon. <laughs> <laughs> just,
1: just too much talking?
2: <laughs> just just the comments that he makes sometimes. Just too good.
1: <laughs> no, that's a fair answer. Um, all right, well, on that theme of teammates, who is your favorite practice partner of the teammates you've had?
2: Oh, man. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I've been hitting with Will this semester, so I don't want to take a shot at him. But me and Kyger have some, some great hits.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a win for sure. Um, all right, who's but, uh, the player that I was going to say most likely to have a, a nasty expired banana at the bottom of their bag?
2: Mac, 100% Mac. <laughs>
1: that's good. Uh, who's the best to go out with?
2: Best to go out with? Man, I would say everybody, whole team. <laughs> nothing better. That's... Nothing better than having the whole team out.
1: Yeah, go hit the streets of Chapel Hill. Um, all right. Who's the teammate that's most likely to try and get under your skin in practice and hook you?
2: Oh man, I don't even know. That's actually a tough question. I I don't know. I I've, I don't have an answer to that one.
1: Maybe Will, just to get you a little tougher.
2: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, could be. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um, all right. Tell me about the North Carolina photo shoot you participated in, because word on the street is you are an aspiring model. Oh my God!
2: Who told you that?
1: <laughs> Look, I, I'll tell you. Oh, I can't tell you. I I, I can't say I'm going to tell you. I'm a I'm a journalist now. I got to protect my sources. But I've got in.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I I assume you know what picture uh <laughs> the picture uh, that you're uh, talking about here. But uh, yeah, we were doing a photo shoot and uh, the girls team, some of the girls on the women's team came over to like finish their pictures and they just had me like run in and do one of their poses. So, but you know, the picture turned out great. Not going to lie. <laughs>
1: no, it's a win for sure. And we're on the streets. You've mastered the hip hop.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's some of the best out there
1: yeah no it, it was a funny photo definitely too, too shared. um uh all right last thing I mean again, for you looking forward to next season what are the the thing you are looking forward to most about getting back on the court?
2: man, there's just so much uh obviously getting out there and practicing with uh with all my teammates uh there's nothing better than that, you know it's a little different trying like trying to get work in on your own um coaches obviously so fun being around them and uh, Jack as well. Can't leave my man Jack out. Uh, uh, Traveling, traveling makes it so fun. All the trips, you know, playing, uh, putting pranks on some of the younger guys. It's pretty fun too. So I'm excited for that
1: yeah well we look forward certainly to seeing you back on the court in 2021 brian congratulations to you once again on being named an all-american well-deserved and you know good luck to you stay safe stay healthy and we look forward to hopefully seeing you compete again soon
2: thank you thanks for having me stay safe
1: yeah of course take care man
2: have a good one bye
1: Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with UNC All American Brian Surnock. Again, a big thank you to Brian uh, for taking the time to chat with us. Appreciate his patience as well in us releasing this episode. Uh, but if you're not already excited for the college tennis season, it's always so great to get the chance to chat with so many people around the country, players like, you know, Alexa Graham, Ashley Leahy. Uh, Michaela Gordon and, you know, uh, Jada Hart and Gianni Ross, Elliot Spaziri, Alexis Galarno, Andrew Fenty, Ike Billy Pate, you know, Chris Woodruff. We've had the chance to talk to so many different people at so many different levels of the college game. If you have missed any of those conversations, be sure to go check them out across our mini break, uh, Cracked Interviews, and Great Shot podcasts. Uh, Again, we've got a lot of other cool things in store for all of you as well. I should say, look, we all know New York is on the top of all of our minds. We are all fascinated as tennis fans. What are we about to see from the professional tennis world? What's it going to look like? What can we expect? Uh, Be on the lookout for a ton of preview content coming from us here at Cracked Rackets, again, across. Our various podcasts, so be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review, and a huge thank you to all of you who already have. Be sure to be checking out our website, too, crackedrackets.com. It's not just going to be podcasts, it's going to be articles as well, videos on our YouTube channel. So go hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in day out, making all of that possible, and you know so you don't miss out on anything. Go again uh, if you need the more immediate updates: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly? I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to our Patreon subscribers. We are so grateful for your continued support. Be on the lookout for more content from the Patreon front as well. But with all that being said, for our wonderful guest Brian Sernock, for our friends at Midwest Sports and AeroBar, Our super producers, Max Fleener and Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.